Well, what is a miracle? Some people, you know, it's something we really don't expect. Somebody say, well, it's a miracle we won that game. No, that's not a miracle. We, we, you know, there's, miracle is something. Now, let's talk about a biblical miracle. A biblical miracle, where Jesus walking on the water. I mean, think about it. You can't walk on water, but Jesus can. He turned the water to wine. They filled up these big pots with water, and then when they dipped in to take it out, it was wine. He raised the raising from the dead. We saw Elijah raise somebody from the dead. Jesus raised people from the dead. Peter's raised somebody from the dead. That's a miracle. Calming the storm. In the middle of a storm on the Sea of Galilee, all Jesus did was say, be still, and it was over. The sun standing still. There was battles in which God let the sun stop going across the earth and basically just stopped the laws of nature that way. And then, of course, parting the Red Sea, which was one of the most famous events. And when a lot of times people don't realize, do you realize that if we were there and we're leaving and the Egyptians are coming after us, that it would not be a picnic walking across the Red Sea? There were walls of water on both sides. How do you know that it's not going to fall in on you and drown you? How do you know that? I mean, it's scary. The Egyptians are behind you, and you're going on dry land, but there's walls of water on both sides. I mean, it's just miraculous things. A miracle is when something happens contrary to natural law, to to nature. What we're going to see this morning... As we finish it up, two miracles, one by Elijah and one by Elisha. It's the same miracle. It's parting the Jordan River. And the one by Elijah is his last miracle, and the one by Elisha is his first miracle. And so we'll see how this all ties together. Let me break down the passage for you. We've got Elisha's request. We've got Elijah leaves, and then Elisha's ministry begins. And we'll see how that ties together. If you look at Second Kings chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by the whirlwind to heaven that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. So this is his last day. This is Elijah's last day on the earth. You can't say this is his last day to live because he never stops living. And the truth is this, none of us ever stop living. Do you understand that? That's not the end. If you die, where do you go? Uh, to, be, to be absent from the body is to be where? Present with the Lord. So d- you don't die and it's the end. Death's never the end. Now, this is going to be unique because he's not going to die physically, but he's going to be taken off the face of the earth. Elijah is going away, and Elisha is going to take over. I think this is a good study of the end it right here because if we're going to say in the next weeks, we're going to look at the life of Elisha, it's good to see Elijah and Elisha their last time together. And this is Elijah's last miracle. Look at Second Kings chapter 2, verse 7. Now 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah and Elisha by the Jordan, the 50 men of the sons of the prophets are watching them from a distance. Elijah took his mantle, which is like his coat, and folded it together, struck the waters, and they were divided here and there so that the two of them crossed over on dry land. Now he hits the water. Oh, whoops. Let me go back. He hits the water. And the water parts, and they cross. Now, we've talked about this, and we mentioned it last week, that every time that the water is parted, they don't walk across on mud. They don't walk across and say, be real careful, you're getting your sandals all dirty because, I mean, this is just muddy. It's dry land. It's a miracle because it's not just that the water stops. The water stops, and where they're going is completely dry. So it's amazing. It's a miracle. You just know other way to say it. It's a miracle. So here's what happens. After they cross over, when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. 
And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So Elijah asked, what can I do for you? Now, when he's basically saying, listen, I'm, I've been here for you, and I, I wish I could still be here for you, but I'm about to leave. What can I do for you before I leave? And we have to realize that our goal is to prepare others for ministry. You understand that Elijah has been preparing Elisha. He's been anointed a, a earlier. In fact, when we look at the very first lesson of the life of Elisha, we're going to see he got anointed a much earlier. He was already been told, you're going to be a new prophet. But he hadn't done anything. And he's been with Elijah, and I think he's been with Elijah to watch what Elijah does, to watch Elijah as he trains the, the, the prophets in each one of these little towns, as he's preparing people for ministry. So I think that what he's, what he's doing is he's getting discipled by Elijah. And what Elijah's doing is discipling him. And let me ask a question for, for all of us. You're going to die someday if Jesus doesn't come back. We're all going to die someday if Jesus doesn't come back. Who are we preparing to carry on the ministry after us? Who, who are we preparing? If, if we're not preparing people, then it's going to die with us, right? I mean, that's, the old saying was Christianity is, is one generation away from extinction. If nobody passes it on, that's it. What should we be doing? We should be discipling people. We should be training people, helping people understand the gospel, helping people understand the Bible, making disciples as evangelism and training, helping people understand how they can share their faith and lead people to Christ, help people understand the Bible so they can help train and equip other believers. And in the way that Elijah was preparing Elisha, we should be preparing people. So ask yourself this question. Who are you mentoring? Who are you discipling? Who are you taking truths from the Word of God and helping somebody else Know it and understand it. You could say, well, even if I got somebody, I wouldn't know what to teach them. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. And we have the 412 and the 22 in there. You can go in, you can get, we'll get for you the 412 and the 22. And you can take, there's a teacher edition and a student. You could get the teacher that has all the answers and, and notes and everything else. And you could get that and you could take people through those basic foundational truths. You can do it. Just try it. You'll be surprised. You'll be amazed at what happens when you begin to disciple other people. So that's what we're supposed to do. Well, he says, what can I do for you before I leave? And he says, let me have a double portion of your spirit. The double portion of spirit, that sounds like he's saying, I'd like to be twice as good as you have been. That's not what he's saying. The double portion means that he gets the inheritance, that he gets to be the heir. So the, the oldest son got the double portion. The oldest son basically carried on the father. Well, in this sense, he's saying, give me the double portion. Let me carry on what you've done. So Elisha wants to be a prophet like Elijah. And we're going to see that it's pretty amazing what they're both like and how they're different, but how they are alike. And look, look at Elijah. Look what he says. He said, verse 10, he said, you've, you've asked a hard thing. <laughs> I think what Elijah's saying is, I don't really know for sure if you'll be able to do what I've done. He said, all I know, I've anointed you as the next prophet, but I don't know what you're going to do. And I know I'm leaving. That's all he really knows. He says, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless... If you see me, I don't know how he knew this, but God must have told him. If you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be for you. But if not, it shall not be so. He said, you've, you've asked really sort of a, a really a hard thing. But if you see me, then, then you, you'll know. You'll, you'll, you'll see it. You know, when we think about it, 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 we're talking about gifts. We're talking about what the next person's going to do. 
We're talking about our lives. What are your gifts? How are you serving? How are you touching lives? I mean, the greatest gift God gave us was his son, Jesus Christ. Then he's given us spiritual gifts. And, and when we think about it, we, every one of us, and we talked about it last week, we're raised up for this time, this time. Our world is different than it's ever been. Our country is different than it's just about ever been. And we are raised up for God for such a time as this. You have gifts, you have talents, you have abilities. God has raised you up to be here in this place and in this time. And you raised me up. We, we, have a, we have a responsibility to represent him. And it's just like he said, Elijah, I don't know, but if when I, Elisha, I don't know, but when I'm gone, if you see me go, you're going to get to carry on what I've done. And if not, you won't. And when we think about, when we think about these ministries, when we look at Elijah and Elisha, they were both prophets of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, but their ministries were very different. Do you understand that every one of us in this room who know Jesus Christ as Savior, we're new creations in Christ. Every one of us are new creations in Christ. Every one of us have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. But we all have different gifts, talents, and abilities. So what God is going to do in my life is going to be different than your life. And, and we're all going to be doing things that God has for us to do. So when you look at Elijah and Elisha, you say, well, they were both prophets of God. Yeah, they were. And they were both empowered by the Holy Spirit. They were. But their ministries were different. I want you to think about this. Elijah was spectacular. He, he publicly stopped the rain. He went before the king and says, except for my voice, there will be no rain. Three and a half years, no rain. And then he brought the rain back. He told everybody, go get ready, the rain's coming. Then he prayed, the rain came. Then he outran a chariot 20-something miles. He brought fire down from heaven. Talk about a public ministry. He got all those 450 prophets of Baal there, put the altar up and called down the fire and killed them all. He confronted Baal and the kings. He confronted the false gods and the kings. I mean, it was spectacular. I mean, everything he did seemed to be something big. But think about Elisha. We're going to see. He's kind of quiet. He had more of a private ministry. He had more of a private miracles. He parted the water. Did you know there's one of his miracles is a guy's chopping with somebody's axe, and the head falls off and falls into the water, and he goes, oh, no, that wasn't even my axe. And so he calls Elisha over and he says, I was chopping with this axe, but the head fell down in the water. I can't find it. Elisha makes it float to the top. Now, that's not like bringing fire down from heaven and killing 400 prophets of Baal, 450 prophets. But that's pretty miraculous, right? Uh, he, he meets widow's knees, the healing of Naaman. Naaman was not even Jewish and he had leprosy and he was a king. And he wanted to go see Elisha because somebody said Elisha could heal him from his leprosy. So he gets there, and Elisha doesn't even come out to see him. He just says, he sends a guy out and says, just tell him to go wash seven times in the Jordan River. And Elisha, uh, Naaman gets real mad. He says, well, you'd think he'd tell me to do something big, and you'd think he'd come out to see me. And, he, and somebody said, well, if he told you to do something big, would you do something big? Well, yeah. He said, well, if he tells you to do something little, would you do something little? And he went, well, I guess so. He goes seven times, and he's healed. Elisha had a quiet ministry, but they're both used by God. Some people have public ministries. Some people have private ministries. I have a public ministry, right? I get to stand up. I get to be up there. Mine's a public ministry. It is no more important than your ministry. Some of you have public ministries. Some of you teach. Some of you do other things. Some of you have private ministries. The things you do are behind the scenes. 
That's just the way it is. Each of us in the body of Christ all have different gifts, talents, and abilities. We're all to be used for the glory of God. So the question could be, what are our gifts and where are we serving? So here's the question. Where are you serving? Where are you using your gifts, talents, and abilities in this body? Where are you serving? Because we need help in a lot of areas. C.S. Lewis said, no one is like anyone else in the body. All members are different and all are necessary. So he said this, if you see me when I'm taken up, then you'll get the prophetic ministry. If not, you won't get it. The answer will be no. That's all he knows. Then what happened? Verse 11, as they were going along and, taking, and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Can you imagine walking along and you hear whatever you hear, it's like when and then all of a sudden something pushes you back and this chariot of fire and horses of fire come down out of the sky and just pick him up and he's gone. Feel like Dorothy when she said, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. And then she said, you know, people go, come and go so fast here. Well, Elijah came pretty fast, remember? He just appears. When we saw his life, all of a sudden it says Elijah the Tishbite went straight to the king. That's all. No, no background. He just start all of a sudden there, and now he's all of a sudden gone. He's just taken up, and he's gone. There suddenly appeared a chariot and horses of fire and storm and whirlwind, and he's gone. Elijah was the man who called down fire from heaven, and the sky came out of heaven and took him to heaven. Elijah was gone. One era is over. Another is beginning. Now, if you're Elisha, what do you do? What do you think? Well, you, your mind says, well, I did see him go. I did see him go. Look what Elisha, look what Elisha said uh, when this happened. It says, Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. What he's saying is, I'm so upset. I'm so confused. He cried out and tore his clothes. That tearing clothes shows great emotion. He's going, what in the world happened here? Wow. Now, think about this. Elijah was a person that lived on this earth and was taken off the face of the earth not to die. You realize that there'll be an entire generation of believers who will be taken off the earth never to die physically. I think that's us. That's us. Don't you think it's close? Of course, Paul said it was close. But anyway, I think, I think it's close, don't you? Can you? I've had people say, you actually think that God's going to come in the clouds and people are going to be taken off the face of the earth. I said, yeah, that's never happened. I said, oh, yeah, that's happened. Elijah. Elijah was taken off the face of the earth. Enoch was taken off the face of the earth. There are going to be a whole generation of us taken off the face of the earth. One of these days, Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds, and the body of Christ, the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain to be caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air, thus will always be with the Lord. There's going to be a whole generation of Elijahs taken off the face of the earth. It's going to happen just like that. It'll be gone. We're gone. We'll be gone. In the moment, in the twinkle of an eye, there'll be the trumpet, the shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them.
to meet the Lord in the air. It's going to happen. And so when somebody laughs and says, that didn't really happen, this chariot came down, picked him up. I said, yeah, yeah, it did. And one of these days, he's going to come get all of us. Now, he's not going to swoop down in a chariot. I think we're just going to meet him in like a twinkle of an eye. And we're going to be with him in the air. Well, you're, you're Elijah. What do, you, what do you do? You're left there. You've, you've torn your clothes. You've messed up your good clothes. Right? What are you going to do? He looked. He also took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Now, when Elijah left, his coat fell down. This is the coat that the prophet wears. It's still left. Wonder what that meant. Why was it still there? Well, Elisha picks up the mantle, and look what he does. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. Well, I mean, he, 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 he comes in, and this is going to be this is going to be his first miracle. The water's parted. By the way, look what he says. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? You know what I think he's saying? I think he's saying, where are you? Is this going to work? I'm fixing to do the same thing. You, you, I, now I saw him leave. I'm supposed to have his power, so I'm going to try it out. I'm going to take it and hit it. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Parts right there. You know what he knows? I'm going to carry on that man. I'm going to carry on that ministry. I'm going to do the things that God, that God used Elijah. He's going to use me. The waters parted. This is, by the way, the fourth time the waters part. We talked about that when we, just several weeks ago when we talked about this. God gives the ministry, and God gives the power to do the ministry. Elijah is going to carry on the ministry of, excuse me, Elisha is going to carry on the ministry of Elijah, and God gave him the power to do it. You're going to carry on the ministry of those who belong to Jesus Christ, and he's giving you the power to do it. It's not our power. We don't have to say, Lord, I don't think I can disciple people. I don't think I can teach people. I don't think I can do ministry. I don't think I can do these things because I'm not very good. God says, I know you're not very good. It's not your power anyway. It's my power through you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So when we sit there and we say things like, I don't think I can do that, you can do anything God has for you to do. You can do anything that he has gifted you to do. I love standing up here. I love doing this, but that's not, that's not me. When I was in college, I had to take a speech class. This is before I ever trusted in Christ. I had to take a speech class. I was so scared. I sat in my desk, and my hands were like this on the edge of it because I knew I was next. And I had my little cards. They said, you could have little cards. And now, the more there are, the better it is. Okay, Because that's he gifted me, and it's his power. He gives it you, and it's his power through you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. 
He will take you and use you to do things beyond what you could imagine. Well, look look what happened. So he took the mantle, he struck it, and it parts, and he walks across. And look at verse 15. When the sons of the prophets, remember what the sons of the prophets have been doing. Fifty guys standing back over there, they watched Elijah part the waters. I guess they saw the chariot. I don't know if they saw the chariot or not. They saw him disappear. And now they see Elisha come back, and they see him hit the water, and it parts, and he walks across. And so when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho opposite saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rest on Elisha, and they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. The response by the prophet, by the prophet, is Elisha is the same as Elijah. He's got the same thing. He's doing the same kind of ministry. From now on, Elijah's gone, but Elisha's here. Now we're going to depend on Elisha. And so look what happens, and it's really kind of, we go kind of fast through this, but it says, They said to him, Behold now, there are your servants, 50 men. Let's go look for your master. See, that's one of the things. I don't think they saw him leave. I don't think they saw the chariot come down. I think Elisha saw the chariot come down and he leave. But I don't think the prophet saw it. I just think all of a sudden they realized that Elijah is gone. And so they actually ask, Look, there's 50 of us. Why don't we go search for your master? Perhaps the Spirit of the Lord's taking him up and put him on some mountain or somewhere. And Elisha said, no, 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 don't go. I know where he is. But they urged him. They kept urging him until he was ashamed. And so he said, okay, go look. And the 50 men went and they searched for three days, but they couldn't find him. And when they came back, he was, when they, he was staying at Jericho, they, he said, didn't I tell you not to go? He's not there. So he probably should have told them, don't ever go because he's not here. But he finally said, well, go look. And they looked for three days and they couldn't find him. And they came back and said, we can't find him. He said, I told you you couldn't find him. He's not here. He's gone. The ministry was passed to Elisha. Guess who has the ministry now? Who has the ministry now? You do, right? You do. It's been passed on from Paul in first century and second and third and fourth and fifth and all the 1800s, the 1900s. Who carries on the ministry? We do. Who's going to pass it on to the next group? We have to. We act like we just come to church and sit around and, you know, eat something and go home. You know, no. We're getting trained to do what? To do ministry. The gifts, talents, and abilities that God's given us to touch lives for Jesus Christ. Are we making disciples who will be able to make disciples? When people say, what's the purpose of our church? What do we say it is? It is to make disciples, evangelism and training. We're equipping the saints to do the ministry, to build up the body of Christ. We do it by gathering and scattering. We gather together, worship and training. We scatter for evangelism and service. This is our purpose, plan, and process. We know that in many churches, only a few do ministry. We want everybody to do ministry. And it doesn't mean you do it here. You may have a Bible study at your house. You may have a one-on-one time that you're leading some, you led somebody to Christ and you're training them, equipping them. It starts with your kids. starts with your family. That's how you disciple first. Then you spread it out. It may be your next door neighbor. It could be somebody else in your family somewhere else. You're taking the gifts, talents, and abilities and you're touching lives. Have you thought about we? Uh, just saying, I've got three, four neighbors. How about a, how about a Bible study? How about how about just invite everybody to come over to our house and just get to meet everybody, and then if any of it matches, maybe start a Bible study, right? That's what he told me last week. 
What book was it? I forgot. It was uh, who? Uh, what was the guy's name? That the, uh, I can't remember his name. The Dallas Seminary grad that did all the evangelism. Can you remember who? I'm, his last name starts with uh, Aldrich. It was the guy at Dallas Seminary years ago wrote a book. And when he was in seminary, he decided that what he would do is just reach out to everybody he could and to try to lead them to Christ and train them to equip them. When he graduated from seminary four years later, he had a meeting of all those people. It was, what, 150-something people that he had led to Christ and trained and equipped his four years when he was at seminary. How many do we have? How many people have you discipled? How many people have I discipled? How many people have we met with? How many people have we reached out to? How many people have you invited to come to church? I know it's hard sometimes because a lot of people you know, haven't been coming to church just because of the virus and everything, so it's a little bit harder to invite people than it used to be, but you still can. And I tell them when they can come, I say, you can come, come first service. There's a lot of room. You can spread out. You don't have to, don't have to sit by anybody if you don't want to. You don't have to be afraid. Are we making disciples? Who will be able to make disciples? So let me end it with this, and then we got one other thing. We, we want to be faithful servants of God. Let's, let's be faithful to pass on God's truth. Let's do it. Let's take the things, whether it's the 412 or the 2-2 or something else, take the truths from the Bible and pass them on, make disciples. So we need to be, be disciples so we can make disciples. And if you say, I'm not ready yet, well then, come and take the 2-2. It's going on right now. If you can take the 412, we'll get with you. We'll help you learn all this stuff. We'll make sure you're ready to pass it on. Let's be faithful in our service for God. What are your strengths? What are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your abilities? And, that, and that's where really we say, use our gifts and talents for God's glory. And if you say, I don't know what my gifts and talents are, well, what, there's two things you can do. One is you can take our spiritual gift inventory. We have it in the office and we have it on the website. That'll give you a little idea. But the second thing is you could just say, let me find a place to serve. And pretty quickly, you'll see if that's your area or not. Because if it's not, you'll say, I'm not really enjoying this. Okay, find something else. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one received a gift, use it. Let's faithfully await the Lord's return. He could come any second, couldn't he? In fact, we're, well, we're all wanting that. You know, when you're young, you're saying, I don't want it yet. When you're old, you say, I'd like it now. We, we know he could come any second. We know he could come any second. Titus 2.13, we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. First Thessalonians 4, he'll come, we'll be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. That's what's going to happen. Now, let me, let me give it, there's a guy named Erasmus, and Erasmus actually helped, have a, had a Greek text that he helped put together uh, the Bible. He lived about the time of Martin Luther. They were not close friends. Let me just, I'm just giving you an idea of when this man lived, 1500s. Here's what he wrote. May I die to self that I may live for thee. May I wither to myself that I may blossom for thee. May I be emptied of myself that I am abound in thee. May I be nothing in myself that I may be all to thee. What do you want for your life? We want to be men and women like Elijah who used the gifts, talents, and abilities that God gave him to do ministry train those who came after him and then left. So that's what's going to happen. We may just go through ministry, go through life and leave. Or are we going to go through life, serve, train, and leave? Let's think about Elijah as we close. Lessons from the life, from his life, and then we'll start Elisha, you know, 
First of all, let's be men and women of character because that's what he was. He was a man of character and he confronted. I mean, he was willing to confront the wickedness of, the, of that community and that's where let's stand for the truth. And we've talked about this before. You know, pretty soon what we stand for is going to be called hate speech. You know that's coming. Unless something changes, what we teach is going to be called hate speech. Because we say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. He's the only way. And they say that's hate speech to say your way is right. It's coming. We've got to stand for the truth. Let's deal with depression. Some of the things that, if you go back to the, to the lessons dealing with depression, it can help you, but it also help other people. And then last but not least, let's pass the torch. Let's, let's invest our lives in other people so that they can carry on ministry after we're gone.